I get those goosebumps every time You come around, yeah You lose my mind, you make everything so fine Worry about those times I'm way too numb, yeah It's way too dumb, yeah I get those goosebumps every time I need the heim Throw that to the side, yeah I get those goosebumps every time, yeah When you're not around me Throw that to the side, yeah I get those goosebumps every time, yeah 713 Cause it's one, yeah, I'm riding Why they on me? Why they on me? I'm flying Sipping low-key I'm sipping low-key and I I get those goosebumps every time I come around, yeah You lose my mind, you make everything go fine Worry about those times I'm way too numb, yeah It's way too dumb, yeah I get those goosebumps every time I need the hype, throw that to the side, yeah <laughs> Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Loaded Mag NUFC. We are back again for another um, full transfer show special, um, an athletic special, uh, should we say. Um, and we're going to get into it all tonight, all things Newcastle United. Um, so get your questions in for Jacob and his boys, and we'll make sure that we get all things answered. And it's great to see so many in the chat already. That's a PDK. Uh, great to see you in the chat. Um, hope you are well, fella. Uh, David Cook, we've got Lisa, of course, um, Craig Lee, as always, and Jordy Two for Life. He's always in here um, and always supporting the channel. Um, and Yano's just snuck in. Um, say hello to Woods, but say hello to Lisa. I saw that. <laughs> we, we, we saw that. And Jules in here. Uh, welcome, Jules. But, boys, how are we? Daz, Chris, how are you, boys, tonight? I'm good, Pete. All good. All good. Um, big pardon the, on the Tyne fan myself. As you know, we were also bouncing off each other on, on what was said on the shows. And yeah, uh, with uh, George, Chris, uh, Taylor and the new guy, the new guy, Jacob. So uh, yeah, he's, he's added to the mix uh, and the, the uh, dynamic that the guys have. So really interested uh, in, in talking to Jacob. And it's nice that Chris is going to have a buddy. A buddy on the show. Uh, I forgot about that. that <laughs> <laughs> we didn't forget. We didn't forget. Um, but no, uh, look, it's uh, it's going to be a good one. And look, let's get started. Um, and welcome in uh, Jacob Whitehead from the Athletic and Pod of the Time. Um, here he is. Here's Jacob. How you doing, Jacob. Hello, how's it going? All good. Loaded Mag debut. Yes, it is. You're not the first. What? Well, you're not the first person from the Athletic in the pod in the time to 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 come on to Loaded Mag in UFC. Chris Wolf has been on, I think, twice actually. Um, yep. uh, previously, um, so you're not the first. But look, this is your debut, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you on our channel tonight. But how are things with you in general? All good. Uh, recently back from the Women's World Cup, so adapting Ooh. to life back in the northeast, um, which is very enjoyable. Haven't been, in, haven't spent a summer in Newcastle before, so just quite enjoying the uh, the weather, the pubs, <laughs> all of that. Yeah. 
good stuff. And I, I was, it, it was only right to touch on it um, because uh, you, you were there, you, you've been covering it, and you did a piece as well around it. Um, obviously, unfortunately, uh, the Lionesses uh, didn't win uh, the World Cup. They put up a great effort and, and put in a real good tournament, considering the circumstances, a number of injuries to key players. But how was it covering the Women's World Cup over there? And, and what was the general feeling, um, you know, with regards to the, the, the World Cup final and, and the defeat in general? It's great being over there. First World Cup for me. Um, I, I think it was kind of fascinating because obviously England have had all these challenges, but at the same time, they're this incredibly well-funded nation compared to lots of the other teams competing. Yet, kind of for the first two weeks I was out there, it was kind of like, what next is going to go wrong? Kind of, you had the bonuses row, you had uh, Mary Earps' shirt sponsor, you had another injury, you had Lauren James's reds. And still, they kept going on. And the fact that they overcame all these things, I think everyone kind of expected, oh, you know, they're going to make it happen in the final. And that was almost a sadness, but it didn't. Yeah, definitely. Um, but they, you, you, they made a... They made us all proud, and they put in a fantastic effort. And I was watching it with, with my daughter, who was, uh, was was screaming and cheering them on. But um, you know, it was a great final um, all round, and, and Spain, uh, you know, deserved winners in the end. Yeah, but, very much. You know, great with the fact that you got to you got to cover that and, and be a part of that journey for sure. And it's always good to touch on uh, on women's football because it is growing, and in particular with Newcastle, um, we are growing our women's team as well. And it was great that they were represented in the Cellar Cup the other week. So, so yeah, what should have been their first professional game at the weekend, but delayed due to Halifax. But that is coming up next weekend instead, I believe, and will be very exciting. Definitely, you are absolutely right. But um, look, I wanted to get your thoughts before we talk. You know, a little bit of transfers, a little bit of other conversation. Um, Newcastle played Man City at the Etihad. On Saturday, um, lots of excitement around it. Uh, we covered it on our review um, last night. You know, what did you make of you know Newcastle's performance and the result um, in general? Um, there's been a little bit of uh, sort of fallout on the back of it um, from some sections of the fan base. But you know, what did you make of Newcastle's performance at the weekend? I'm pretty positive about it. I think maybe more than lots. It's hard. The reason why the challenges are going to one of the best club sides in the world, if not the best. Mm. And sometimes you just got to accept that that team are going to play really well. They threw things at Newcastle, which we hadn't seen before. I think it's probably been discussed kind of what they did in their midfield, which um, I mean, Eddie Howe's 4 3 is pretty fluid, but what Pep Guardiola's doing is a whole different level. Um, and they actually managed to keep City at bay for quite a lot of it. I mean, they scored once, kept Haaland pretty quiet. I think the XG kind of showed that they're a good value for their one goal. You know you're going to get a couple of chances to to score, and it ultimately is Newcastle's technical quality which let them down there. But in terms of sort of game plan and commitment, I actually think they're on the right track. They just snatched it slightly and were slightly too concerned about the numbers which City was sending from all sorts of directions, but the number eight didn't maybe join the attack to offer that fluidity, which you might normally have. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's any great negative. Any, I don't think there should be any great negativity to it. I think ultimately got beaten by an outstanding City performance led by Foden and Kovacic, actually, who's gone under the radar a bit. No, definitely. And uh, what was really interesting on, on the back of that, um, and boys, I'm going to come to you with a, 
um, a separate point in, in just a second. But what was interesting, um, you wrote a piece on, on the back of the sort of the result and it, um, it talked about, you know, how trying to emulate Guardiola, which I found quite fascinating. And you talked about it in a little bit of detail. You know, what, what is there? I mean, I don't know if you want to expand on, on your article a little bit more, but it, it was it was really, really interesting how you kind of talked about Eddie Howe's rise and what he's trying to build at Newcastle. It, if you want to talk about that a little bit more, what to add to that, what do you think he needs to do next in order to take that next step um, to be considered not alongside Pep, but certainly get closer to him? Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess some of the premise was that when Pep arrived at City and Howe arrived at Newcastle, they were taking over teams at opposite ends of the table. But in terms of the major steps which they've had to take, those big steps were quite similar. It was kind of being quite ruthless with certain members of the squad. It was to do with improving players who were already there. It was to do with getting the squad younger. And tactically, there are similarities. They both kind of like exploring the 4 3 as we've already like discussed to the very limits of it. And I asked how about this in the post-match presser and uh, he, he was quite guarded. It was quite entertaining. Um, you know, I asked him what he'd learned and maybe it's probably because he's in a bit of grump because of defeat. Didn't want to engage too much and uh, asked him for specifics. He said too many, too many to go into at length and speak to here, which might've been him saying, be quiet and let me, uh, let me sulk after the loss, but equally might've genuinely, if I take him at first val- face value, there will be tons of stuff. We know how intently he watches football. Um, you know, every top every top team, how will have probably lifted. Like Newcastle are probably a bit of a, a cut shop job of the elite teams of the last five years. That's not any sort of insult. That's just people steal ideals from everyone the whole time. That's how football develops. Uh, Newcastle are no different. And I just think Pep's potentially got more trace is of him and how than plenty of other managers do. In terms of asking what he can do to get to that sort of level, is a massive question. Pep has been defined by the trophy to one early at Barcelona um, for really changing stuff tactically. I suppose for how it's putting more fluidity into this Newcastle team. We've maybe seen a team who has a plan A and a plan B in the last couple of years, and they're very good plan A's and plans B's. It's just having that real, real range of solutions. I think it's adding that, adding more depth, which he's starting to get. Uh, um, we can come on to this later, but I thought it was pretty mental that Newcastle's bench looks stronger than Man City's on paper. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's process and, and time and experience. I mean, Howe is still relatively a young manager. Like, he's, you know, there's time to develop. Definitely. Boys, I'm going to come to you with regards to this. Obviously, you know, Jacob wrote a really good piece about the sort of the, the comparisons of how and, and, and how sort of how is how how is rising <laughs> uh, through his sort of managerial career at Newcastle. Um, but, you know, I want to get your points on, you know, can you see the, the comparisons of what how is doing alongside Pep? But also, I wanted to ask your opinions on a, another aspect of it as well, and, and it's and it's these two, and uh, you can talk about either uh, either one or, or, or both, um, Bruno Gomez and um, and Miguel Miron, because you know there are some sections of the fan base that have been giving them a little bit of stick after the game on Saturday. We've kind of touched on the game and reviewed it and gave our opinion of their performance, but you know, firstly about how 
and Pep's kind of comparison, but also, you know, what have you made of some of the stick that those boys uh, have been getting, from, as I say, from, from section to the fan base? Chris, I'll stop with you. Um, so touching first on how and the Pep comparison, like for me, I, I think, well, I think there is traits of um, that Eddie Howe has picked up from Pep Guardiola. And, you know, the the fact that Pep came out after the game, we've probably all seen the quotes. And, you know, I loved it today when I seen it, when Pep was saying that, um, you know, if they played open against Newcastle, we the, 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 Newcastle would have destroyed Man City. So that was that was really nice to see. And I think there's a lot of respect there. But I, as, as much as I've seen, I've seen traits of um, Howe's game plan within from Pep, I wanted to actually touch a little bit on Klopp. Because I think, and I've been saying this to be mates now for the past, what, two or three months, that I, I, I believe that we, we are the new Liverpool of three or four years ago. Because the way that we, the way we're so intense and the way that we press and the way that we're all energy, I actually, I actually believe now that we are the new Liverpool and that we're, we're the team that, you know, people used to go to Anfield and they were petrified. I think now... St. James's Park's like that. St. James's Park's the cauldron. And I think that I actually see more trait or more more matches with Jürgen Klopp than I do with Pep. I think I think everybody aspires to be like Pep. And I don't, you know, I'm not for one minute suggesting, you know, that Klopp's better than Pep or Pep's better than Klopp. But I actually think that Eddie Howe is kind of probably looked at numerous managers, you know, the likes of Simeone, which we know he's looked at when he was in in his downtime from being there, you know, when he left Bournemouth. But I actually see most similarity with Klopp's previous team from, as I say, three or four years ago. In terms of um, the Miggy and Bruno one, I'll touch on both briefly. It was interesting, actually, because when we were giving our scores out, and I'm not sure, Jacob, if you've seen it, but of the two players that we focused on most were those two players when we were giving our scores, because... For me, maybe I was a little bit critical of Bruno, but I just, I just think with Bruno, he's not quite been himself for for a while now. Um, that's not to say he's a bad player, and you know, even a 80 percent Bruno is probably better than you know the majority of a hundred percent players. Mm-hmm. But for me, I just, I feel like going forward, Bruno cannot stay in this number six position. I just don't think it suits him, and us lads have spoken about that for a while now. It's not to say that I don't like Bruno or that I don't rate Bruno, because I absolutely do. I think he's terrific, but I I actually think that Bruno, Eddie Howe needs to do something with the midfield, or perhaps you know try and shift things around a little bit, because I just don't see Bruno in the number six long term. Um, in terms of Miggy Almiron, it's it's the same conversation, isn't it? We we constantly go on about it and say, you know, he's work rate, effort, unrivaled. But the difficulty with Miggy Almiron is it's that end product and the fact that he's so reliant on his left foot and teams are kind of sussing him out. Yes, he had that purple patch last season and he was brilliant, um, but that only lasted so long. And I think this season, this season's going to be really big for them. And I think if Miggy doesn't kind of find that form that he found previously, he could very quickly find himself on the bench, in my opinion, because I think he'd be a great impact sub. But I just wonder long term whether he's gonna he's gonna do enough to stay in this team because we're progressing so quickly. No, great points. Does um, you know again the how pet comparison? What's your opinion on that? But also, uh, as Chris has talked about the um, the two alternatives, you, you, did you have a ghost behind you, Chris? <laughs> 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 Honestly, 
I that that threw me big time. But I was I'm sorry. That's go for it. Yeah, though I think I think it's it's you're not really comparing apples to apples there because when when Pep came in, Man City were already number one in in, in the Premier League, and the, the the goal was to 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 win the 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 Champions League, which he did. So to to and if you think about it, when Eddie Howe came in, he was uh, Newcastle were nineteenth, even dipped to twentieth, and uh, then he, he turned them around. So for, for apples to apples, I think Pep would have to take over. Who's who's bottom of the Premier League at the moment? Well, oh, it is Everton. Oh, well, they, Pep would have to take over Everton, Jacob. I think, <laughs> and then for for the the like for like comparison. But uh, no, I'm only joking. Uh, but uh, no, it, it is difficult to, to compare uh, compare there. Uh, and in, in in relation to to Bruno and Miggy, yeah, I, I, I myself, I was. Uh, Miggy was doing really well. Then he dipped. I said, "Get him off the pitch." Then he, he actually picked it up again, and, and I was glad he didn't come off because he was he was one that was looked like he was going to create something. Okay, and he, he keeps passing to Trippier, passing to someone else as well, and it's all it's all very familiar what, what he what he does. Uh, but he he was really trying to give a, a a solid effort. And Bruno, I think Bruno, as we said yesterday, Bruno, uh, he's he's only he's only his second proper game with Tunali that let them get that that uh, relationship established and know what each other is doing and be able to, to dovetail each other on the, the number six eight position so I think it's early days and and give him a chance Bruno will come back to himself yeah definitely um yeah I, I agree with with both your points about Bruno and and uh, Miggy we, we can say people are allowed to say they had a bad game that's people's opinion. We are more than right to say it. I personally didn't think any any of us were, were harsh on either of those players with our scores and our yeah. opinions. But when you're but mm-hmm. but some of the some of the comments on social media, I don't know if you've seen any of them, Jacob, uh, on on socials. But some of them are, are are basically sort of writing them off already. Sort of second game in, it, it seems a little bit far fetched, doesn't it? I remember when I first started doing Newcastle, one of my first matches was the Sheffield Wednesday Cup match. And the amount of vitriol on social media saying that Jacob Murphy needed to never play for Newcastle again after that. Um, And you saw the influence he had on the second half of the season and the importance he had. It's exactly the same situation here. I agree. Definitely. (laughs) Now... Um, we haven't touched on the fact that you know you, you said you, you you kind of been with us since sort of like January, um, and you've been on part of the time, and you, you you're on um, uh, the podcast, which uh, is a fantastic podcast, I have to say, really enjoy listening to it, as does someone right next to me. Um, but Daz, I, I didn't know if you wanted to talk to Jacob uh, um, with regards to pot on the time in, in his work at the Athletic. Yeah, like uh, Jacob, uh, many questions, but I, I have one major question and like you, you, you feel comfortable now so I can ask this question. How would you describe George Culkin? <laughs> uh, Chris is his own man. He's an individual. Um, there aren't too many people like him, but that's what makes him such a, such a brilliant writer. Um, somebody who's got the depth of passion for the club which he does and the depth of knowledge with which to write that from and I think you can see from his work and foundation how much he like dearly cares about the club and covering it and also that sometimes involves holding the club to account and which you know Newcastle fans have a lot of experience doing um but yeah we're very lucky to have him and 
if not just for his remarkable ability to string together insults and swear words and strange quotes for <laughs> anyone who uh, listened to uh, our last episode. Exactly. Now, <clears throat> now if, we, if we were to all just kind of gaze off into the distance, you can imagine how, how George would describe himself, I think. He's something like this. I am a magnificent eagle soaring from the hills. I come down. If you want to cry... I'll fucking make you cry, right? I'll do that. If you want to laugh, I'll have a go at making you laugh. I'll try and do that. If you want misery, oh, I am your man, or oh, you eagle, stroke that. eagle. If you yeah. want misery, misery is my mantra. That's 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 where I'm most comfortable. Your version of but I'll try and give identity. you. I'll give you. I'll give you the soaring, sweeping emotion. Yeah, I mean that's not put on. That's just like that's just. <laughs> Tuesday night at the pub with, with George. So, <laughs> what, what you see is what you get. Cheers, Jacob. No, brilliant stuff. But, um, you know, how has it been, in all honesty? You know, um, joining joining the crew, obviously, you've got, you've got Taylor, you've got Chris, uh, and obviously George in there. Um, you know, how, how has it been sort of settling in, you know, not not only on part of the time, but settling in sort of writing and, and working alongside those those guys because they are fantastic at what they do. Um, how has it been sort of in that transitional period for you? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I guess I'd never, I'd, I tended to not do club reporting before. So writing for an audience is very different. Um, generally prefers doing investigations and news and that sort of stuff. And you knew from following Newcastle, just kind of the quality that they're operating with um and also just how funny the podcast is um and trying to fit into that and I think there's an extent to which I couldn't come in and sort of be like I can't pretend to be a Newcastle fan or have that length of knowledge I mean they take the piss out of me because last week I didn't know uh I didn't have I didn't know who Darren Peacock was um (laughs) I can't pretend to be a Newcastle fan um and so I think I've just got to kind of try and be my own guy on it and hopefully some of that is when they can be a little bit rara Newcastle um bit be a little bit of levity in in that sense um but yeah hopefully um hopefully I can add a little bit to it even if it's just bullying George as to use a double pivot which he has actually now started writing so it's a bit it's a small victory you do add to it, Jacob. Let me tell you, you do. Uh, it is it, is uh, it's uh, it's it's a di- different dy- dynamic, but it's a good one. Um, so keep keep up the good work. Ah, cheers. Um, right, moving on slightly. So um, wanted to sort of talk about um, the transfer window. So you know, at this moment in time, uh, with what is it? A week? A week and a half? Week and a half? Yeah, yeah, just under two weeks away from the window shutting. Um, You know, we've got Sandra Tonali um, as our first signing coming in. Obviously, um, Minter came in and was loaned straight out to Feyenoord. Harvey Barnes was next in line. And then more recently, um, Tino Livramento, who made his debut at the Etihad, uh, coming on um, a sub late in the game. On the wing. On the wing, yes, which we did talk about in in our in our lonely chat. It was it was a conversation that we, that we had that where that it may well happen at some point. Um, him coming on on the right wing. So, um, but we're still waiting on one other. Um, still as of 
nearly eight o'clock, three minutes to eight. Still not been announced yet. And that's Lewis Hall's loan move uh, from Chelsea to Newcastle United. And, um, you know, uh, I think one of your athletic friends, uh, uh, David Ornstein, sort of broke it along with, um, I think, Sam Wallace, um, that this deal was going to be agreed and there was a medical in place. Um, you know, where, are we, in your opinion, um, is it just the case of we're just waiting for the announcement now? And, and, and what do you make, Jacob, of this particular deal um, of Lewis Hall signing from Newcastle? Uh, well, yeah, I think everything, no reason to be concerned. He had his medical on Friday. He was at the game on Saturday. And I don't think Newcastle, I know you've been saying that people have been, you know, I know some people have been saying Newcastle have been playing poorly, but I don't think it's such a disaster that he'll have suddenly changed his mind. Um, so, yeah, it should be happening. Should be happening soon. Um, I really rate him as a player. It's interesting because he does have relatively limited minutes, but it's interesting who those minutes came against. He played against Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool uh, and Newcastle. You know, there's sort of almost that's 360 minutes out of his 500 coming against elite opposition. And he really was not shown up. I mean, compare his performance against Riyad Mahrez compared to Cucurella and it is light and day. Um, light and day? Night and day, that's the phrase. Um, <laughs> we do it. And also his versatility. I mean, I know he's been playing left back in the Chelsea senior team, but this is a guy who's basically played everywhere coming through the Chelsea Academy. I think he won Chelsea Academy player of the season, playing a mix of centre-back, left wing and midfield. Uh, I think he said that midfield's his favourite position. And so he's been signed as a left back predominantly for that. But you could also see a world in which he's used in that left-sided number eight role as an option or potentially as he kind of, you know... uh, as he develops. Um, so that's all exciting. And financially, it's also a deal which suits Newcastle. I'll have an article coming out on this in The Athletic tomorrow, but the club have said throughout that, you know, they're up against FFP and see, keep, you know, kind of keep seeming to find money down the back of the FFP sofa. And they've done it again here by kind of effectively having a loan of an obligation, knocks it on to register it next year. Chelsea are happy with it because we all know how much they've spent. I think the facts I heard about it today was they spent 300 million on midfielders in 2023 alone, uh, which is probably the amount Everton have spent in the last kind of decade. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't actually, Everton haven't had spending money is not Everton's problem. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, true. That's, that's, that's true. That's true. Um, so, yes, so back to the original, I've, I've waffled on here. But um, yeah, basically, I think that Lewis Hall uh, should is a pretty exciting signing. When I looked at the four left backs who Newcastle had been looking at this window, um, he was the one who probably had the fewest weaknesses to his game. He's still so young; he's eighteen. I mean, like people like Kowal and Minter who are being signed for the kind of future, you know, going out on a couple of loans. I mean, Hall's—I don't know exactly to the dates, but he's the same age as them and going straight into the first team squads. I mean, like he's malleable. It's exciting. Definitely. Um, I'm going to ask you a, quest- a question, Chris. Lewis Hall. Is a... I'm putting it out there for you. I'm putting it out there for you. Can you see Lewis Hall being our starting left back by the end of this season, 23-24? Yes. I think I thought I thought you were going to say by the end of the year, and I was going to go, "Ooh, I don't know." I, I think was going to say that. Yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah, say yeah. it. 
Yeah, I think I think by the end of the season, yeah. Um, but you know, Jacob makes a great point when he says that you know a lot of us probably haven't considered the fact that he has played in other positions and his preferred position is more central. Um, he he's a player, isn't he? That's got a, well, it appears that he's got a really high ceiling based on what we've seen of him so far. Um, but I, I believe once once he gets into the team, and it's, especially if it is at, le- at left back, once he gets into the team, I think it will be very difficult. Um, for Byrne to kind of dislodge him because yeah. I think he's going to come in and just make yeah. an immediate impact. So yeah, I uh, I'm pretty excited by him. Like as as Jacob said, very very excited compared to the other left backs that we've been linked with. He well, we did a show on it, didn't we, boys? And he was yeah. he was the one that we you know most wanted. And uh, my my only hesitation at the minute is just why it's taken so long to announce him. But maybe I'm just being impatient. No, well, to be fair, we've, I think there's been one or two deals this summer that have kind of dragged on. I think, um, I think Tenali's kind of dragged on. Tenali did, yeah. How the Harvey Barnes? It was, it, it was said that it was pretty much a done deal, and then it was like two weeks later before it was actually sort of announced and it was officially kind of done. We, I think, we're waiting for for Maxi. And yeah, to be fair, Livermento took it a bit longer. I think they all have really. I think mm. we're, we're we're just we're just an impatient fan base. I think that's the that's the biggest thing. But that's I'll come to you with the same question. Do you think Lewis Hall will be the starting left back by the end of this season? But I'm gonna ask you an addition onto that. What do we do with Matty Target? Yeah, okay, yeah. That's that's two very simple questions there. He, yeah, I think he will be uh by the end of by the end of the season. Um and, and I and as we kind of touched on before, we can utilize Dan Byrne in, in the, the center back position, left center back position cover as well. So he Dan Byrne does plenty of games, he'll get plenty plenty of game time still. Uh and he hasn't done much too wrong in his time in left back with us. Um and this, the second question was, uh, oh, sorry, what was the second question? Matty Target. Well, oh, Matty Target, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I would, <clears throat> I'd, I'd actually put my, my target up for sale, especially when we found out on the show the other night, and it's been, we've seen it in some more festival. He's, he's on 100k a week. What? That is absolutely crazy. He's, he's, if that is true, he's, he's way ahead of, of loads of, of, of first team starters, which, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, but yeah, I, I would look to, to, to see can we find a buyer for Matt Target. And uh, he had a great first season with us uh, when he's alone. Didn't work out for him last season. I know he had injuries and Dan Byrne made the, the place his own. But, uh, but yeah, now we. we and, and we have we have a bit of cover in, with Dan Byrne that can play there, and we have uh, Alex Murphy as well, who has, as of yet has not gone out and known. So uh, there's a um, bit of cover there. I think also some people are forgetting a kind of how Trippier can cover the left side in the push, True. and now Livermento's come onto the right. There's actually a genuine first team option at right back as well. I'm not saying that should be first choice or anything like that, but it just yeah. is another option out there. Exactly. So, I'll ask you the question because I mentioned it to Daz as well. Um, do Do you think it would be viable to sell Matt Target this summer with Lewis Hall coming in? You've got Dan Byrne there. You've talked about Trippier playing left back. You know, it, it, would it be the right thing to do, or or would you think Eddie Howe will want to just hoarding is probably not the right word, but like keep as many players in there as possible as options? Possibly, like I think. They signed a left-back for a reason. I mean, some of it is, yes, Lewis Hall's a really talented player, but it's not quite the same situation as Livermento, where it is like kind of 
here's a can't miss talent. We've got to go. We've just got to go and get him, even if the kind of succession planning isn't quite right. Um, this was more they felt there's a need, and it's not necessarily purely to have left back numbers, but also centre back numbers. I mean, if Fabian Share or Sven Botman gets an injury, yes, you've got the cells, but you've also got shuffling burnover, which means you do want another left back. And to have to go through the whole season with really just target there is a bit thin. And so then you throw in Hall into that mix, who's hopefully more of a high ceiling uh, player than target and who's a player for the future you want to be giving those minutes to. So yes, it does look like there's a lot of left back depth, but it is all tied in with centre-backs where I don't think there's that much depth, to be honest. <laughs> Definitely. And we've talked about it on the channel as well about the centre-back situation. In fact, we talked about it uh, yesterday uh, on the review show. So if you haven't watched the review, guys, um, make sure you, you you click back and watch the, the, the Man City um, review and, and check that one out. Um, there was a, another question. I'll come back to it in, in just a second. Um, but we'll move forward um, to sort of the, the, the next sort of conversation. And to be fair... There's a few in the chat that have already been talking about it and there's already conversations that are kind of, um, that have been had on, on the back of this. And um, it goes and it kind of sits with the Amazon Prime um, documentary uh, that un unfortunately for them was leaked the episodes three and four at the weekend for I think just over a two hour period. Um, and what it did announce is that, you know, the old school kit suppliers for the Toon Army is is coming back. Um, apparently, on the first of the ninth um, uh, next month, there'll be some form of announcement where we're assuming that this is the case. And uh, maybe, and we, look, I'll put these up just because we were talking kits last night, boys. Is that maybe we'll get some we'll get some of these bad boys. Um, <laughs> Back in the back in the um, in in the the kind of supporters store the 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 um, the, the club shop um, maybe very very soon. But look, um, Jacob, you wrote another article talking about the Adidas um, becoming Newcastle's new kit manufacturer, um, uh, and obviously on, on the back of the leaked documentary. Um, do you think that it's it's had sort of um it, it's hampered the announcement, the fact that the leak's taken place? And in addition to that, what what can you see coming next with Adidas, who's a massive, massive kit manufacturer, taking um over from uh, from Castore um as of what we assume is the end of uh, this season? It's quite uh, it's quite funny, isn't it? Like uh, you you say leak, it's almost not a leak. It's almost just somebody accidentally pressing the wrong button. At, you know, Jeff Bezos sort of having one too many pims and getting a bit overexcited at releasing a documentary. Um, so it's obviously reported that um, they're set to take over from Castori as kit manufacturer. I think the most significant thing is kind of what it, this is going to mean commercially. I mean, you guys will be much better than me at speaking as to kind of the emotional hit of having Adidas back as a sponsor, uh, back as a kit manufacturer. Uh, I don't think I was born when it happened. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, from, from, a commercial, from a commercial sense, like Castore's was worth an absolute drop in the ocean. They're one of the smaller clubs in the Premier League and it, Newcastle was seeking to maximise their commercial revenue so they can spend more and beat FFP. 
I mean, I think Spurs is, I might have got some of these figures slightly wrong, but I think Spurs is up towards 40 million. Newcastle's under Castore was something like 7 million. They might not, they probably won't be at that Spurs level yet, just because of purely kind of a number of times in the Champions League and club profile worldwide is still not quite the same. But getting up closer to that allows them to compete on far much more of an even playing field. That's kind of the technical side of why this deal is seen as such a boost. So uh, Silverstone, uh, Peter Silverstone, he's a chief commercial officer. He was at Arsenal when Arsenal also went over to the Adidas kit and his links have been really important to getting this deal over the line. Definitely. Uh, and look, we've, we've had we've had conversations about this, haven't we, Chris? We, we talked about it last night on the show. I think yeah. one of his boys talked about it after the show. He did an hour and a half after last night, Joe, oh, talking I about believe it. it. You know what? Mrs. Wired Happy with me. She was like, when the music came off at the end of the show, she was like, finished early, great. And then we're on front of the round. She was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> we were just chatting away. I think the boys had the kicks out showing everything. No, it was it was great. Um uh, you know, reminiscing, Jacob, um, about all the old kits and all the old times. That's what we were doing. But but Chris, um, from an emotional level, it's an amazing, amazing thing. But like, you know. As, as Jacob's talked about and just used some sort of examples from um, from Tottenham's perspective, like, we need this, don't we? we? We need this to take us forward. Yeah, a million percent. I mean, we, we've said that our commercial revenue has been far too low compared to other clubs. Um, and I'm not even talking about like the top six clubs. I mean, like, you know, at one stage, um, we, we were quite on par with Tottenham. And it just goes to show what it was like under the Ashley era, the fact that Tottenham are now light years ahead of us. Um, so we're, we're now in a fortunate position in the, on the pitch. I think we're actually now ahead of Tottenham. Um, but you know, for us to get those commercial deals and to be able to improve the players on the pitch even more than what we have, um, that's without Eddie Howe's fantastic coaching. Um, we can then move on to you know the next level and the next level. So I, I, it's massive. It's massive for the club to be able to pull in um, such a great kit manufacturer who you know and a world renowned. Um, and hopefully they can make us as a club uh, more world renowned than what we are right now. Um, I, I'm really, I'm really excited by it. Really, really excited. And I think you know we're gonna, it's gonna really kick us on. And you know what, what better way than to bring in a previous, uh, a previous kit manufacturer who uh, provided us with the kits during arguably one of our most successful eras. So to have them back. And then you know, if they start bringing back the retro kits and everything, that'll just be that'll just be amazing, and it'll be very nostalgic, but also very exciting for the for the whole fan base. And I tell you what, Adi, uh, <laughs> I have to I have to gamble with myself here because in Liverpool, in Liverpool, we say Adidas, whereas you all say Adidas, and I was saying Adidas, and Lisa was going to me yesterday, why are you saying Adidas? And I was like, well, everyone says Adidas. She's like, no, but we all say Adidas. So I've, I've been I've been really like try to battle with myself so yeah adidas getting adidas back in um is going to be is going to be massive because you know they are one of the best in the world um so yeah i'm really excited you tell lisa from me chris you so you, you tell lisa from me chris it's adidas not adidas how, so you know that you know i'm not going to say it because that'll prompt you you know the one with the tick how do you pronounce that no i say nike Ah, uh, you see, uh, so they do say Nike, oh. not Nike. Some people yeah, say some Nike. Some people do say Nike, don't they? Yeah. Oh my God! Um, we we, 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 we all say Nike. 
We also know fans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could agree on that. We could agree on yeah. that. Um, Daz, from your perspective, where does this this huge potential deal kind of sit? Where does it places within the elite? Like Chris has made a really good point talking about how you know we we were effectively, and, and Jacob, obviously, you would have been really young at this point. You know, when we had Sir Bobby Robson in the early 2000s up to 2005, we were finishing regularly above Tottenham Hotspur. And it was only since Mike Ashley took over the club during that era that Tottenham got the better of us and were finishing ahead of us and are seen as part of this big six. Now, you know, I've always said once this takeover took place, the tide is turning, that Tottenham is a team that we're looking at. And Chris, you, you, you touched on it, you're absolutely spot on. You know, where do you think, going back to yourself, Daz, where do you think this would this big deal with uh, Adidas uh, places <laughs> amongst the elite? Okay, so two graphics for you, Pete. I know, I know you're thinking you're jumping, I'm jumping to the, the other one first, but if... Uh, Jacob mentioned Spurs, but if you look, if we we, we want to try to emulate City, and, and at the moment we're getting five million uh, per year from Castori, whereas they're getting fifty-five million from Puma. If this graphic is is accurate, uh, so that's the kind of uh, level we want. We, we aspire to, of course, Man United. Uh, their their deal with Adidas is uh, ninety million a year. So. Uh, yeah, we've a bit to go uh, to, to get to get up to those levels. But then it begs the question of, uh, in with Adidas themselves, where do we appear in their rankings? So if we look at their rankings, there's again another uh, graphic I took from Twitter. I don't know how accurate it is, and uh, whoever created it either, credit to them. But this is the pyramid. Uh, on, if you look at the elites there, you have Man United, Bayern, Arsenal, Real Madrid, and Juventus. In premium, you have Ajax, and a number, number uh, more clubs in as it works with down the pyramid. So, where and where do you think Newcastle are going to land in there? Uh, will will Adidas gamble on uh, the the future of Newcastle and the the, the tra- tra- trajectory that the the project is going in, and and stick them in the leash or building something into the contract that. Uh, as as you go, the the the, um, the deal will will grow as well, and there'll be incentives and bonuses on, on top of that. So that's something I suppose to, to consider. I guess, just throw it out there. Where do you think this deal? And this is all hypothetical because we don't know that much about it yet. Uh, where do you think Newcastle are going to land? Premium or elite? Go, go on, uh, Jacob, Chris. I'll let you. I'll let you fly this one first, you boys. I mean, for me, it's for me, it's premium. Um, but I don't think that's a bad thing. And my reasoning for that is: look at the first two teams in May, the Ajax and Besiktas. And Ajax, absolutely, like by my one of the biggest brands in global football, still despite being in this premium category here, and still doing loads of unique stuff. Like, uh, do you remember the Free Little Birds shirt they had last year? It's not like they're kind of being treated as second tier. Besiktas, absolutely massive, and like fan base wise, you know probably more fans than Newcastle, like just in terms of their size and popularity, it's just in a market we don't necessarily see. Um, You know, the elite ones are very much Champions League regulars. Newcastle could get in there if they're there for the next 10 years, but I think for the moment it'll be very much premium, but I don't think there's a problem in that. Mm, Interesting. Uh, I'll throw it... No, I, I think I I agree, certainly with the Besiktas. I think people people overlook them because they're not a team that we see regular, but they are huge in Turkey. Um, massive, massive with a huge bigger than Galatasaray. 
Um, they're one of the big three. Skeletas yeah. and Besiktas, and Besiktas is slightly different. They've got a reputation as being kind of a working class one. Slightly different part of the city. I think they're the only one on the European side of the city rather than the Asian side of the city. I might be wrong on that, but um, yeah. yes, they're one of they're very much one of the Turkish big three who divide up the entire league between them. And it's only really Trabzonspor who are from a different city, or Trabzon in the east, which are kind of ever sort of threaten that hegemony. Okay. One of the, one of the top teams in Turkey, black and white, working class. Remind you of someone? <laughs> Just in the northeast, maybe. This this is this is what we this is what we are. But uh, um, Chris, where do you see us? Where do you see? I'm going to throw something out there to you, um, and just to kind of add into that, where 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 you might see us from your perspective. Um, I'm going to say. Does the does the fact that Newcastle are in the Premier League have a factor on where we're placed? Yeah, no, it's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, straight away when you showed me the uh, you know the chart, I was like, yeah, we're elite, obviously. And then Jacob brought me back down to earth. Maybe maybe that's with my <laughs> black and white uh, rose tinted glasses on. So you know, I think I think it's fair. What what I will say, which I think will be a, a fairer assessment. I agree with you, Pete, in that obviously, you know, the Premier League, big, biggest league in the world. So obviously that's going to lift us up. But maybe maybe a, a fair assumption would be to say, well, tell you what, this five-year deal that we're going to be signing, that, that could be as part of a premium package. But then I think if uh, Adidas want to stay with us, then I think that we will, we, if we carry on in the trajectory that we have, I think we will then definitely be in the elite category and it could even see that a new five-year deal, if there was one on the table, would then elevate us even higher. That that's that's probably what I would say at the minute. Because if we're consistently getting Champions League or even worst case Europa League, I think then you know we would be we would definitely be classed in that elite tier. I'd like to think we're in the elite tier now, purely because, as you say, of the Premier League and the fact we sell shirts and we're a one-club city. Um, but. I can see from the outside looking in that, you know, maybe maybe we're not quite there because, you know, there is the likes of Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Man United, the, you know, obviously very, very big, uh, very, very big clubs historically, consistently over the last few years. And obviously we fell away in the last, what, 20, 25 years. So I can't see, I can't see why, you know, um, people from the outside looking in would maybe think that we're probably more premium at this moment rather than elite. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know is my answer. I'm, I'm not sure. If you look at the clubs in that image at the, at the top, I agree with. I agree with yourself, Jacob. I agree with yourself, Chris. You know, the premium is the right one to put us in. But I just think that, for example, if we, like, the, the, the agreement's there that they're going to be our kit manufacturer next season, but we don't know that that deal has been signed and sealed. It could well be, and I'm just putting out an opinion here, it could well be that it's agreed and a deal is agreed and a price is agreed based on where we finish in the league. So if we get Champions League again, could that mean that the money goes up? If we get Europa League, certain fee, conference, certain fee, out of Europe, certain fee. So uh, That is how these deals typically work. And I think Manchester United had issues when they didn't qualify for the Champions League with their kit deal. That I think for the first year they might have had a grace period and the second year then that meant it went down. But yes, those things are pretty regular and I'd be surprised at the level which they're 
operating at now if there wasn't something like that in case maybe think of it as like an incentive rather than any sort of penalty but yeah yeah so um, I'm, I'm not sure where our place is like those clubs are massive massive clubs in the elite but let, let's let's see um from that perspective um chris i think you've got a question for jacob yeah, very quick one, Jacob. Um, this this was this this stemmed from our conversation uh, last night after the show, um, and I know we kind of touched on it very briefly during the show, but it would just be interesting to hear your thoughts on it. I mean, I, I asked the question yesterday, or put it out there yesterday. You know that the the deal the deal's been announced allegedly on the first of September. We've seen obviously the graphics and stuff like that saying that the Adidas deal uh, is going to be announced on the 1st of September. And we've seen that because people who've seen episodes three and four of the documentary obviously are aware of that. What I wanted to ask was, do you think there's any significance in it being the 1st of September with that being the transfer deadline day closure? Now, I know people said, oh, the reason it's that is because that's when the fourth episode come out. But what I wanted to, what I, I understand, that's when the fourth episode was due to come out. But what I wanted to know was whether there was any significance in them releasing it on the 1st of September because that is the transfer deadline day. What I'm asking is, do you, do you think that there could be any way linked to, you know, a transfer, a big transfer dropping or a big announcement being made? Or do you think that's just a coincidence? I think it's a... I, I, do think, I don't think it's going to have an impact on, on a transfer deal, but it is obviously a significant date, both for the transfer deadline day. I mean, so there's lots of eyes on them, but I think more significantly, it's the day after the Champions League. Draw. Everyone's going to be crazy excited about the Champions League. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, great, here's Adidas, here's the final episode. Like the interest, you know, you've just heard, right, we're off to the Bernabeu. Oh, let's all wear our Adidas clobber, you know, whatever. Um, I think that's more of a significance for me. And the fact that the final episode was due to come out the day after is, uh, I think, was probably designed with that in mind. No, interesting. Um, yeah. right, we're, we're, we're coming to the question section now of the show. Um, we've got a little bit, just a tiny bit more time with Jacob before he has to leave. So any questions in the chat that you want to fire at, at there are, and and Chris took about five or six on there with these questions. As oh, uh, sorry. people ask, people <laughs> ask Chris, are you, are you playing the piano as well? The way you're angled looks like you are yeah. playing the piano at certain times. But um, okay. <laughs> oh, we need to clip that. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. <laughs> Let's go to uh, one here from David Cook and Jacob. Okay, you've kind of half ruled out any incomings, but and any news about outgoings? Now we know there's a number like. Fraser and plenty of them that are Jeff Henrik and a, a number that we could offload or we're looking to to, to move on at some degree. Anything you've heard on that front? It's all pretty quiet. I mean, obviously, there is this call with players. We know they're looking to move out. It's a slow market. There's been interest in Fraser. I haven't heard of that much interest in uh, Hayden and Hendrick. Often this stuff does come tend to come around quite late in the windows, where with all due respect to them, they probably aren't that many people's first choice solutions as a signing. So they're sort of players you maybe come back to and you're like plan B, plan C. And in the final days of a window, you start to kind of get those sorts of deals rolling through. Um, it's kind of, there's always, last window, we saw a couple of curveballs in terms of Wood and um, Shelby departing the club. Now, I don't have any knowledge as to suggesting that's going to happen, but... 
sometimes offers come in with Newcastle's FFP situation, it might be something which they want to take up and that could kind of tempt them back into the market again. I think Hal said that their own incoming transfer business is done without that outgoing. So just like, you know, we know how weird this kind of season is, um, as in terms of this transfer season. Stuff is so ridiculously fluid. Hopefully, you know, they're done. Hopefully for my, I mean, I want a nice, easy, quiet life. And so I'm hoping that their kind of incomings are mostly done at this point, but outgoings could affect that. No problem. No problem. You're looking after yourself there. You want a, you want a, you want a, you want a nice, relaxing uh, transfer, in, uh, um, transfer deadline day. But, um, day, but two days before uh, day. I don't want to be working on that. <laughs> happy advanced happy birthday Jacob. um shane mawson uh, for our, our, our one of our loaded uh ultras from from uh, down under he asks what is your favorite location in Oz since you were there oh an days? excellent question um i really liked running on the south bank in brisbane it was absolutely lovely but in Sydney, I really liked going around all the suburbs in Sydney. So I really liked going to Newtown. I found a, a ramen place, which is also a motorbike repair shop, and ended up working in there quite a lot. It's a very odd surrounding, but I really loved that. There's a suburb called Balmain I really liked, uh, which is a short ferry away where I could have very much seen myself working. And then also the England training ground in Terragol, uh, which is about 90 minutes north of Sydney, was an absolute trek to get to every day, but absolutely gorgeous. Kind of you're taking the train through these kind of I think it's where all the koalas live in, in these kind of untouched forests. Um, going through them train and kind of these deltas and that was gorgeous. I'm quite a countryside boy. And so kind of after being in cities for most of the month, sort of that little excursion, uh, I always really enjoyed, yeah. Cool. Oh. Yeah, they're a good answer. Good detailed answer on that one. Nice one. Um, I want to yeah, be a travel Gary... journalist at heart. <laughs> uh, Gary asked the question. He mentions about Piff. Do you, do you think that Piff will influence Adidas in what position in that pyramid we may, may we may sit? Uh, but I suppose also linking to the fact that whatever deal we do have with Adidas, that it needs to go past um, Premier League regulations as well. So, um, any thoughts on that though? Would Piff be a this way, Anthony? Uh, I'm not sure if they'd have that much sway with Adidas themselves. I mean, kind of, we know kind of the size of some of the corporations who Adidas are dealing with. Obviously, Newcastle are a more attractive financial proposition um, because of them. Um, sorry, what's the second part of that question? Again, I was going to come back to it. Um, yeah, well, would they have any kind of sway in in where would they would sit in that potential pyramid of of, of we're looking at there of the different clubs like uh, premium and elite clubs? Oh um, yeah, not so much, not not so much influencing that. But I, I, I just think that. Sorry, there's another part of the question which you asked before that I was going to come back to, which I've completely forgotten about because I, I disagreed about the about the going back about the um. I disagreed about the influence. There's nothing I did agree with, but I'm sure I will remember it. Um, I, I think it is also interesting. I mean, Adidas are obviously a massive brand, and they do influence the kind of there being the Saudi kids at all, drugs are not controversial, and whether they kind of have any say in stopping that, whether they see that as something which might damage their brand, whereas Castoria is a new brand, possibly that didn't come into it, and it's not always the merriest thing to be talking about, but it might be a consideration. Um, but yeah, so these are, these are, these are nerdy ge- geopolitical questions. <laughs> we'll move on. We'll get to one that, that uh, Dan asks, and uh, Dan asks, Jacob, how worried are you about your lot this season? Your lot, I'm assuming he means Everton. Very. Um, 
luckily I wasn't watching the Villa game because I was on the train back from uh, the uh, covering the Women's World Cup final. In uh, I stayed in Manchester overnight to cover the Women's World Cup final there, and then got trained back to Newcastle. And I gather it was pretty dire. Um, I was considering watching match of the day two later, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, we've been circling the drain for a couple of years. I find it so weird how quickly this has all kind of fallen to pieces. Um, yeah, it feels pretty hopeless. I usually, I prefer to have a little bit of pluck and sort of, I've been telling Chris we're staying up, we're staying up, mainly because that makes my life a bit fun. I like sort of laying a little bit for him and... Uh, Seeing as this is about all we've got is that we don't get relegated, I might as well kind of slap that trophy onto my back. So, yeah, um, I'll say that we'll stay up, but I am deeply, deeply worried and don't know if I truly believe it. I'll throw in another one, and or everything one. How do you feel about Jay Adams uh, uh, potentially rocking up at Everton? And did, did you know someone is trying to influence that, that decision, uh, someone to my... That, that there. Uh, <laughs> because Pete, Pete knows Shea Adams. Um, the way I've seen it justified is that although he may not score loads and loads of goals, he does facilitate players around him scoring in terms of his hold-up play and his link-up play. And without... Uh, that is obviously Calvert-Lewin's main strength. I know he, Calvert-Lewin probably is a more natural goal scorer. We saw that uh, in sort of more recent seasons. But without Calvert-Lewin, we weren't really able to play the way that we wanted to because like people like Mope, Dobbin, even Sims last season are very different styles of player. Having mm. Adams means that without Calvert-Lewin, which we aren't, you know, which realistically we probably won't have lots of times, he does allow us to kind of stay in that shape. And if he can do that and chip in with kind of eight, ten goals a season for the price it is 15 million, then it's not a bad deal. Do you think Dice will see the season out, Jacob? Sorry? Do you think Dice will see the season out? Uh, if there's one thing which isn't helping us, it is kind of turbulence. And Daesh has kind of been in these situations before. He does know how to help fix the defence. I mean, there's no argument it has got worse. But, um, yeah, I, I'm always pretty resistant to changing managers. And it probably has mm. stung me before. But um, I'd always rather give him a month too long than a, a month too few, ultimately. And Daesh at least has been there, got the badges. Um, yeah. Last question, so we'll go from Jordy Two for life. For Jacob and the load of lads, personally against Liverpool, I would play Tonali as number six, only because uh, he has more speed across the ground than Bruno, uh, and Liverpool do have an excellent front three. Thoughts? Where would you play Tonali, I suppose? Um, it's interesting. I mean, they sort of already do rotate anyway to an extent. I think Bruno takes the majority of time at number six, but they sort of have been swapping around in phase play. If you look at the average position maps, they're relatively close together, which shows the extent they are cycling between each other. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, Bruno is six slightly in name. There's an argument which it's kind of, he just kind of toys with the positioning of them, whether it's setting them up deeper or moving the eights further inside or, you know, instructions as to his fullback. But as to his fullbacks, and I think that's probably more significant to kind of which lines up in a particular spot in the pitch. But I guess we saw with Gillington uh, against Leeds last season, they has tried to change it sometimes. It didn't work on that occasion. Um, but yeah, for me, I, I think it stays as it is in midfield. Uh, they, Ultimately, I think they kept City pretty quiet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for having me, lads. Really enjoyed no, that. No worries. Thanks, thank Jacob. So Thanks much. for joining us. Jacob, um, um, where, where, just before you go, where, where can we find you? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JYT98 and on The Athletic. All my stuff's there. I, I tend to not really use any other social media. Um, but yeah, that is where you'll find me. And oh, and of course, on Pod of Time. I should give them a plug. Of course. Well. Uh, we'll have a new episode out of that. If it's not already out tonight, it'll be out tomorrow morning. We recorded in person at Bridge Hotel, which is nice today. Yes. So, Look forward to that one. Yes, right. Catch Jacob, you later, lad. We'll let you See go. You, you take, take care. care. Thank you. Jacob. Take care. Yeah, thank you. Bye bye. All right. Brilliant stuff. Great to have Jacob on. Um, I, like I say, uh, made his debut. Good debut. Some, Very good. Yeah, yeah. Solid. Solid. Very good. Um, and, and hopefully we'll, um, we'll, we'll potentially get him back soon. Um, great to have him on. Great chat. Great opinions, as always. Um, boys, I've got a question for you. Um, transfer related as such. I don't know. Um, City Extra today said Ooh. City loan Calvin Phillips this summer in a bid to get his career back on track. Even with departures, Man City feel they can do without the midfielder for a season in the hope that he can reinvent himself. Now, we talked about on the show last night about, you know, Bruno Gamerez, Chris, you talked about it tonight, quite rightly. Um, Bruno may not be that guy in that position um, to hold that number six. Calvin Phillips on loan. We've been linked with him before. Do you take him? That's I, stop. Oh, go on. Oh, no, go, go Fly away. Boys, no, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. We, we all, we'll all chip in. Go for it. Do you know what? You've really intrigued me with this question, Pete. Oh, sorry. Oh, I heard something going then. I thought there was a penalty. You've really intrigued me with this question because I hadn't really considered it. And obviously, I've heard the rumours about, you know, Man City potentially cashing in on Phillips. But now that you've said all that and, the, you know, your little your little intro speech there, Pete, I'm thinking, bloody hell, you, you might be onto something there. Because we know that we've got another loan that we could utilise. We know if you're if you're Pep Guardioli, you're sitting there and you're thinking, right, you want to you want Calvin Phillips to revitalise his career. You want him to get minutes and you want him to be coached and play for the team who you rate him. Now, after Pep gushing about us in the last 24 hours, if if you know if Calvin Phillips is surplus to requirements, and let's be honest, and this isn't me being, you know, um being cocky in any way, but ourselves and Man City in terms of money. Uh, the two big hitters in the league. So wouldn't it be great for them to build up a relationship early on and be like, oh, you know, we'll do you a favour because maybe we'll return the favour and not so long, you know, to come. And I think if we can guarantee Calvin Phillips some football, you know, game time, um, I don't see why we wouldn't do it. And if, if Pep Guardiola's sending him there and Eddie Howe, he knows, oh, it's Eddie Howe looking after him. Eddie Howe's going to get him, you know, he'll, one, he'll sort his fitness out. Two, you know, he's gonna he's gonna really coach him and bring him on. Pep could then see it as oh, you know, we'll, we'll bring him back in the summer, and he could come back, you know, a new player. If not, you know, we, could there be a negotiation where we keep him on? I don't know. But if City want to get his wages off the wage bill, why not? Suits us, suits them. They'll get a little loan fee for them, those hours. I'd be interested. That's what you're thinking. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah, I've I've ruled him out in in terms of a permanent signing before, but on on taking him on loan, 
why not? If 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 we have it in in if we offload a few, if if it's a case of wages and, and needing to 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 slot in there, um, we have a few that we could offload to that would free some up some of the wages there. So he's worth the gamble on a loan, uh, for sure. And if it was to work out, then you never know. After that, we, it could be a case that we we want to try and sign him. But um, so yeah, why not on on the loan? I I I consider that uh, that option. I'll be honest with you. If it's a loan, and, and this was the, the additional question I was going to put to you is that, you know, we've talked about a loan and lots of people have talked about a loan. Even people in the chat have said about loans and the fact that if you're loaning a player, you don't want to improve a player to send them back to their to their kind of um, parent club. Mm. But he could make a real difference if fit and, and, and under Eddie Howe with our team, particularly in that position. Now, look, it's not the right centre-back that we want. It's not even such the, the right winger addition that, that, that the many fans would want, but it's a position that would allow Bruno, Sandro, Joe Linton to go and flourish in certain games with him being there and being able to sort of screen everything that's going on. He gets regular football, he gets, hopefully, fingers crossed, back to the ability that we know he can play at, which is why Man City were interested in him. I just thought it was an interesting link there. Um, City actually put out, and it's, they, they're obviously a, a big account. They, they know their stuff. It's clear that Man City are keen to, to let him go. I just, I don't know. So it was really it's, it's another another option and and another more cover for us as well. Like we have Sean Longstaff there uh, also, but um, yeah, whether it's the direction they want to go in now or not, um, it's it's it is an interesting one. Like you mentioned Sean Longstaff, but he plays he tends to play more off the right. Yeah, even in most games he tends to play off the right. He never plays in the centre. It tends to be Bruno, but. Having Phillips can play there. He's played there for four minutes where he sits in that sort of number six position. I just thought it was I just thought it was quite interesting. And well, I'm not saying we're gonna sign him, but I'm, I, I put it out there because I thought, what if if it is if he's available, do we go for it? Do we do we try and secure a player of his ability? Because I know West Ham are linked with him. They're in Europe as well. But can we Chelsea, Please. Chelsea link to him. Maybe, maybe Liverpool, <laughs> to be yeah. fair. Yeah. I wouldn't want him going there, I'll be honest with you. But I'd be surprised if Man City let Harry Phillips go to Liverpool, who could be seen as a direct rival. I'd, I'd be shot. I'd be, I'd be very surprised by that. Yeah. But, um, the other question I had for you boys just before we, we um, begin to wrap up. You you had the, exactly a while ago, Daz. Bruno's contract yeah. extension. What is going on with Bruno's contract extension? Do you think it's going to be announced soon? Do you think it's going to be announced later on in the season? Is it going to be announced at all? What What are your thoughts, boys, on this situation with Bruno's contract? For me, it's a strange one. I I would have thought it would have been done in the summer. Um, so what? Where Where is the hold up really? Um, I, I it, it's very strange. Uh, like Bruno Bruno wants to be here. Uh, I've no doubt about that. 
and we wanted to keep Bruno. So no brainer, just get it done. You know, yeah. what, what is the, the stumbling block? That's that's what I'd like to know. What what is the stumbling block? Chris, your thoughts on Bruno? To be honest, this is a pretty easy one for me. This I I I thought for a while that Bruno wouldn't sign his new contract until the window shut. Um, maybe maybe he's the surprise on the first of September. We spoke about that as well, didn't we? Saying you know there was a picture coming out of Bruno in his bucket hat and the retro Newcastle shirt. As an am maybe maybe they're saving it for that because for me, let's be honest, Bruno's new contract is going to put him as the top earner of the club, and if you're actively looking to bring in you know new players, I'm not I'm not saying that we are definitely going to bring in new players, but let's say for example the club are thinking you know. If a last-minute deal comes up, we'd be interested. If we go and give Bruno Gomeres a 200 grand a week contract tomorrow, if a player becomes available who we're interested in on, say, the 28th, 29th, 30th of August, and Bruno's just signed a 200 grand a week deal, that new player could come in and go, I'll have a bit of that. And the club are like, whoa, 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 no. Like, you know, he's he's the top, he's the top earner. We're only going to go to 130, 140. Whereas if... You know, the club try and uh, bring a player in on the 28, 29, 30th, and Bruno's still on what, 120, 130, then, you know, that will help us in our negotiation of bringing the player in and going, listen, mate, you're not going to come in as top wage earner, you know, settle down a bit. We we can offer you 100, 110, or whatever. I think it just helps with the negotiation. I think it's all very tactical. And I, I firmly believe that either on the first or a few days after the first, Bruno will sign his new deal. And again, maybe maybe this uh, Adidas Adidas contract is part of that. I don't know, but I think it's I think they're delaying it very tactically because, like I say, if we offered the two hundred grand, if we announced the two hundred grand a week, Bruno, anyone coming in and go, oh, I want one fifty, I want one eighty, I want two fifty, I think we're setting ourselves up to fail. So I think Bruno will sign his new deal shortly after the window shuts. Well, Chris, you're wrong because uh, because Lisa hasn't nailed it here. Bruno wants a barbecue deal in his contract. There you go. <laughs> That's the real news. In yeah. uh, Stu, um, Stu, I'm just going to steal the chat just for a second, yeah. as I apologise. Stu Amos says, um, "Do we think Bruno's contract is causing a bit of distraction? Loads saying his performances have dipped and." Um, you know, it coincides with the contract talks. Do we think that's maybe a reason, or do we think it's 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 as no. kind of we've said after after the window, sign the deal, done? No, I don't think so because he's it's not like he's he's on his last six months of his contract or something like that. He, he's 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 got a number of years left anyway. It's just just a bump up, and it's like in in recognition of the, of what he's done first and what he's what we we want him to do first in the in the future. So, I I don't think uh, that would come into it. I think I th- I would imagine could be wrong. Bruno would just leave that to the agents and let them sort it out, and he'll he'll sign off on it basically. Same, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't link this contract to Bruno's performances at all. For me, I, I think Stu raises a good point because you know some people may say that, uh, and I'm not saying Stu's wrong, but for me, I think, um, I think, I think the the reason maybe that Bruno isn't um, isn't performing to the levels that we've seen him capable of doing is either down to the position or the, maybe the fact that he's not 100 percent fit yet. Let's not forget, you know, he uh, he got married in the in the summer. Um, maybe you know we just need a few more games to really get ticking. Not forgetting as well, he's playing with new players. We've seen the the partnership he struck up with Tonali. That's only going to improve as time goes on. 
Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm reserving judgments. But no, I, I, I don't think the two are linked. And Daz rightly says, you know, he's got three years left on his deal. So I think I, it wouldn't surprise me if the deal was already agreed, but they just haven't announced it yet. We know how we like to delay announcements. So, <laughs> yeah. Super chat received. Ooh. Shout out to Soaps247. Thank you very much for, for the donation to the channel, Soaps. Very much. Um, news throughout the likes tonight, or or oh, tell everyone to subscribe and like right now. Do we? Hundred seventy in the chat, and nearly two hundred throughout the show. We didn't even tell everybody to do it. Come on. What are we doing? Amateurs here. Amateur hour. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know what? We another thing we must do is we must give a shout out to our to our um, our sponsors tonight uh, as well. You know, I'll do it now because I'll forget as you thinking about what last things to, to say, lads. Uh, but a shout out to the Radiator Shed and Russ and all his beautiful radiators. Oh, look, we have the pictures back in this tab. Lovely radiators there. Uh, and there's the man, man himself. And there's Russ. Um, so, yeah, and also the install works. Um, if you ever need to get your radiators installed, the install works all part of Russ's company. Also, a shout out to H2O Bathroom Design Co., the Northeast largest supplier of Velcro and Botch bathroomware. Team Valley Gateshead, over 20 years established, ran by the family. Get down to the showroom on 11th Avenue, Team Valley State Gateshead. And you know already the beautiful bathrooms that are not free in the showroom. So, yeah, get down there and uh, mention Loaded. You never know what will happen. Well, definitely. Boys. It's been a pleasure. Great to have Jacob on. Jacob Whitehead from The Athletic. Um, brilliant, brilliant stuff uh, tonight. Great opinions and a really, really good debut in there. Of course, as always, boys, it's been a pleasure to chat to you about all the things Newcastle United. So, um, yeah, uh, that's it from me. How would you like that? Will you play us on the piano, Chris? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry.